This is the Foot in the Box podcast for the week of Monday, November 21st. And now, please rise for the singing of our Episode 77 of the A Foot in the Box podcast. My name is Peter Elliott. And I'm Paul Elliott. We are twin brothers from Champaign, Illinois. This is a weekly baseball podcast. Some, Most, of, some of the year. Yeah. Uh, it's been a while since we've been recording a normal weekly podcast, Paul. Yeah, when you're parenting two kids under the age of uh, two, uh, I feel like... Uh, a day seems like a week, and a week seems like a month, so it feels like even longer. Yeah. Yeah, so for the playoffs, our schedule's a bit weird. We kind of tried to record af- after each round. Um, we recorded one after the Cubs won, but I l- believe that was the Thursday night? It was the day after? Or two yeah. days after? Well, Wednesday was, they won, and then I think Thursday night we recorded. November 3rd. Uh, so it's been a while since we've recorded a... It's going to be back. You know, traditional Sunday recording, Monday release podcast. Yeah, so hope you have enjoyed uh, our podcast from the playoffs. Uh, Big shout out um, to your hard work last week. Thank you. If you haven't already, go to episode 76. That's right. Peter did a great job of going back through all our podcasts this year. What, probably 30 podcasts? Uh, Yeah. More than that, maybe? Yeah, the week, uh, Baseball Season's 26 podcast. Went back through all the podcasts and pulled out various Cubs uh, clips and kind of put it together for a recap or a summary of the season, and it was it was really entertaining to listen to. You might want to clear some space on your on your uh, <laughs> phone uh, before downloading, because it's a pretty lengthy episode. Yep. Good I, stuff. And even if no one listened to that episode, uh, I feel like it was it was good for me. It's like a uh, audio scrapbook yeah, for you sure. Know, for like 30, in 30 years, a podcast are still around. Uh, when you don't realize how many like um, just various storylines there were throughout the year. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the Chapman thing, but as we were talking about before we recorded the Schwarber injury early in the season, it was so fun to go back and listen to that, given that he came back for the World Series. They went on like a losing streak in the middle of the season. And well, you forget about Arietta's no-hitter, too. Right. In yeah. April, I'm like, the storyline then was Jake Arietta, you know, most dominant pitcher ever mm-hmm. and i was mispronouncing his name for like half the year arietta yeah was, i like almost had to fast <laughs> forward it was so painful good stuff yes uh, so that was episode 76 uh episode 75 was our recap of the world series game seven also a fun one uh so go back and listen to those if you want to be nostalgic about the cubs world series but moving forward this is a new episode and um uh, yeah, we're excited, <laughs> excited to record again. Might be a little rusty. We'll see how see how this goes. Uh, before we begin our Nelly update, I did my normal uh, Nelly Google search uh, this week, and from a couple weeks ago, there was a, an article on VH1, their website. Uh, so VH1 has a article about Nelly entitled Five Reasons Millennials Should Be Thankful for Nelly." Oh boy. The author is Claire Downs. So uh, it was Nelly's birthday a couple weeks ago. We talked about that. 
when it happened. Um, but the five reasons that we should be thankful for Nellie, Paul, because we are millennials. Uh, number one, Nellie made the Midwest cool. Uh, number two, Nellie was the last real raunchy rapper to perform at the Super Bowl. Uh, number three, Nelly made it cool for millennials to be ridiculous when Flo Rida performs. Uh, number four, Nelly gave us a reason to spin hot in here four million times for a great cause. Again, that's the Save Nelly campaign that lives on. And lastly, Nelly gave us the soundtrack for Messy Relationship Goals. Hmm. So, uh, so uh, there you go. That's a horrible list right there. <laughs> number two is not a reason to be thankful. Or... I mean, I guess if you, if you like raunchy, oh, yeah. it's just a statement. I would say the Nelly made the Midwest cool is probably the most significant. I don't, that, is that West. true? Yeah, he's from St. Louis. That's got some street. You cred. feel like most people know that when he? Yeah. Was that a, a theme in his music? Uh, I feel like he's wearing Cardinal stuff a lot. As a millennial, are you thankful for Nelly? No, not at all. <laughs> feel like you uh you haven't really enjoyed the nelly updates i enjoy them uh yeah whatever i like the the song is good and i guess we have to show our thanks somehow but yeah you're gonna wrap that next episode i was practicing on the way to work this week look forward to that all right so this episode we're going to uh, look back at the 2016 season uh, majority of the episode and at the end we'll we'll look uh, forward to the off season uh but Looking back over the 2016 season, kind of our last uh, last recap of that season, we're going to break it up in a few different chunks. First one is uh, revisiting our uh, preseason predictions and storylines um, that we made back uh, on a couple episodes before the season. Uh, then we're going to look at the 2016 season in uh, our favorite moments or things that we'll uh, remember about um, this past season. And then uh, lastly, we'll we'll talk about the podcast and what it was like uh, to podcast through another baseball season. Kind of look back on some things that we did on the podcast, different guests we had on, different segments we did. Um, and like I said, lastly, we'll we'll look forward to the off season and talk about you know how we'll cover it as a podcast. Uh, so it shouldn't be quite as long as the Cubs uh, 2016 recap. Uh, hope my goal is to to, to be half that. So if we're around 50 minutes, that's that's a good podcast. Okay, uh, before we get to these different uh, segments, um, we have a listener email question. Mm-hmm. Scott uh, writes, very simple question. 2005 White Sox versus 2016 Cubs, who wins? And uh, like Scott, you can email us questions at afootinthebox at gmail.com. But Paul, uh, how would you answer this question? Um, well, I feel for Scott because this came in um, November 3rd at 12.30 a.m. So I assume Scott sent this immediately following the Cubs winning the World Series. And knowing Scott, knowing that he's a White Sox fan, uh, I'm going to let him down. Um, but I feel like you have to go with the Cubs. I just uh, did some quick research or compared. Hey, what, what was the 2005 White Sox uh, like playoff lineup? You mean like position by position? Oh, well, yeah. You had Pesednik leading off, right? Right. And Aguchi at second, Canerco at first, um, Jermaine Dine right. Um, let's see. Aaron Rohn was in center. Rube at short. Creedy at third. AJ Ketchin. Who's in Pesednik and left? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, if you if you just compare the teams, it's not even really close. The Cubs' win differential this year was plus 252. Run differential? Yeah. The White Sox was 96. Um, so, I mean... The, the White Sox were much more dominant playoff team. Playoff-wise, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like, comparing on paper the Indians and the Cubs, it should have been a sweep, or the Cubs should have won in five. So, um, who's to say? I don't know. The White Sox could have won a series, but... um. Even position by position, you know, I just listed off each of the White Sox regulars. Other than right field, maybe. I don't think there's a position where you would have picked one of those guys over a Cubs starter. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Maybe catcher. I'd rather have Contreras than Pierzynski. Yeah. I think Pierzynski, at this point, uh, is a you know better manager of the game. Even um, so the White Sox strength that year was their starting pitching. And the, actually, the run climate wasn't that much different. We'll get to that in a second, talking about how runs kind of spiked this year. Um, but Burley led those Sox with an ERA of like 3.12, or 3.12 exactly. Uh, and the Cubs had three starters that were better than that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, again, on paper, it's not even close. Yep, thanks for the question, Scott. It's good good one uh apologize for the delay in getting back to you <laughs> well it's our first time recording that's true together again all right uh so let's kick it off our first segment uh we are going to revisit our 2016 predictions all right so back on episode 43 and episode 44 of our podcast we previewed the 2016 season and made some uh some bold predictions uh, outside of standings, MVP, Cy Young, those sorts of things. Which, by the way, uh, quickly, what, what what's your take on the awards? Uh, I was right with my Porcello vote. Yeah. I, I mean, I thought it was overblown, to be honest. I, so Kate Upton, uh, the hilarious tweet, but uh, I feel like she has a point in that Verlander had more first place votes. Yeah, based on the voting. But like, if you compare their seasons. Yeah, I agree. He wasn't a clear-cut favorite. I agree. I felt like they got them mostly right. Like I was the MVP picks. I was super pumped that Trout won, mm-hmm. and that um, you know Bryant was almost unanimous. He got more uh, first-place votes than I was expecting. Some of those, um, like to to dig into some of those votes is just like mind-boggling. Mm-hmm. Do you yeah, see where Molina? Yeah, yeah. Molina got. Two tenth place votes. Mm-hmm. Adam Eaton got a, I think, a seventh place vote. Yeah. I feel like we're gonna talk more about people's votes come Hall of Fame. Yeah. Yeah. So congrats to Trout, Bryant, uh, Scherzer, and Verlander. Mm-hmm. Or not Verlander. Porcello. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Porcello. All right. So back to back to our prediction storylines. Unlike most pundits, we like to revisit things that we've said, kind of hold each other accountable. Yeah, because a lot of people give predictions, but not many people go back and and see how they actually played out. So we're going to do that right now. Uh, so from episode 43, we talked about some general things that we were uh, looking you know, forward to, to following throughout the season. Um, Paul, you had run scoring and uh, teams tanking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I had uh, chewing tobacco uh, and then baseball culture slash baseball's popularity. Uh, so... Um, Maybe you can tackle your your couple first. Sure. Tanking, I was just flat out wrong. Um, and if I remember correctly, you kind of pushed back at the time. 
But I was thinking heading into the season that you, you sort of had, especially in the National League, almost six teams, five or six teams, two from each division that were intentionally not trying to win. You said actively, yeah, trying to lose is what you said on the podcast. Yeah, actively, they were okay with um, not making the playoffs. Yeah. And uh, I was just thinking that there was going to be a ton of articles, columns, TV segments about that. And it was around the same time that the um, 76ers were going through a lot of turmoil where they fired their their GM and uh, Shaquille Okafor got arrested. So I was just thinking that there's going to be something similar happening with like the Reds or the the Brewers or, um, you know, uh, teams in the East, um, Phillies, Braves, Rockies in the West. But that just didn't happen. And I think the the main reason for that is that a majority of those teams have signs of hope or signs of improvement. Um, every team but the Padres, you know, those teams I'm saying in the National League, we're going to tank, improve their win totals. Albeit, you know, some small, like the Braves went from 67 to 68, but the Phillies went from 63 wins in 2015 to 71 this year. Brewers went from 68 to 73. So they're, they're improving their win totals, but more importantly, they have really, really good farm systems and prospects coming up. Mm-hmm. The Phillies, Braves, um, Brewers all have really, really good prospects. Each of those teams I mentioned have six top 100 prospects right now. Hmm. Um, Phillies have J.P. Crawford, who's number three overall, according to Baseball America. Obviously, the Braves have Dansby Swanson, who came up this year. So they all have, I think, signs of, of hope. And that was the main reason that you didn't see quite as much written. And, um, I mean, with the Cubs' success... I think more people are just buying into that mentality. Like you, do, it's not like every season you have to compete for the World Series. Teams are teams and fans are more okay with with losing. Hmm. Yeah, and my whole point, I think, with tanking was, um, it's not like you're actively trying to lose. You're not telling your players to throw games. Yeah. For draft picks, it's you just delaying resources as part of a rebuild. So it's it's if you're the Braves or the Phillies saying we're not going to go sign a pitcher who who would make us better for this year. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not going to sign Rich Hill uh because we're going to save that money uh for future years. And um as part of the rebuild, it's yeah, we're probably going to be bad, but we're going to get good draft picks from that too. Mm-hmm. That's the way you rebuild things. It's you uh look at your resources and you allocate what you know, which ones are we going to use today and which ones are mm-hmm. we going to use in the future. And uh, I don't think any team in the last like 10 years has told their players to actively lose. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the Cubs, I feel like it's not like they cheated to to get where they're at. I think it's a legitimate strategy and one that's, you know, wise. Um, You know, even like personal finances. You know, I'm 25. Uh, I'm not going to go buy a house right now with, you know, how much money I have saved in the bank. I'm going to wait to do that later. Mm-hmm. later in life even though you know I, I would want to buy a house now to have a house right yeah and yeah tanking is probably the wrong word because tanking is you're trying to be the worst team in the league mm-hmm. you're actually trying to lose and i feel like that in the nba with the impact that one player can have that's actually a legitimate thing that mm-hmm. teams sometimes do. well and even in like mike trout was what 20 taking 21st in the first like you can get much more value like down in the first round or in other rounds. You don't have to be the absolute worst team. Mm -hmm. The Cubs, Chris Bryant wasn't a, he wasn't number one overall. The Astros uh, missed on their number one overall pick. Yeah, I mean, the Cubs never had a number one overall pick. Right, yeah. So, 
And I, I went back and did like a Google search, just MLB tanking, and all the articles were written in January and February. Mm-hmm. So I feel like some of that is just uh, writers coming up with storylines. Like um, Buster only had one. Um, he said, yes, Virginia, there is tanking in baseball. Um, St. Louis. Virginia. Uh, it was a Virginia's last name of a, a beat writer for the <laughs> Phillies who responded to one of his. St. Louis Post-Dispatch, some MLB... Some MLB teams tanking now for future returns. Fan graphs, does MLB really have a tanking problem? So, I mean, there was a lot written uh, in the offseason. But again, I mean, we've experienced this as a podcast. You're just kind of looking for for things to talk about. Yeah. Um, who, but, has, who has the number one overall pick for next year? It's a good question. I can look it up. You should start your next one. Um, yeah, my other one was run scoring. And I didn't really make a um, – that wasn't necessarily a prediction. Um I did predict that episode 44 we made scoring predictions. I did predict run scoring would go down slightly, but um, when we were talking about this, um, it was more just, I was curious what was going to happen and uh, run scoring went up dramatically again this year. So kind of the level set or go back in 2014 run scoring kind of bottomed out. Uh, It was, there were 4.07 runs per game. That was the lowest in 30 years since 1981 um, but then in 2015 runs went from 4.07 to 4.25. And then this year we went from 4.25 to 4.48. Um, so that's, that's quite a big jump. I know it doesn't sound like a ton. Um, but, uh, in the grand scheme of things, uh, that's a lot more runs scored. And, uh, Peter was actually spot on with his prediction. You said 4.4. Mm-hmm. Um, so you were right. Perhaps there. The main reason for this, it's pretty clear from just uh, glancing at the data, home runs are historically high. Um, In 2016, you had the second most home runs in a season per game ever, 1.16 home runs per game. Um, 2000 was the only other year that was higher than that. Um, So that accounts for a lot of it. Walks have also been up the past couple of years, um, along with strikeouts. So it seems like teams are more okay with with high on base guys who uh, walk a lot, who strike out a lot, but who hit a lot of home runs, kind of that Adam Dunn type player. But yeah, interesting. I think I was maybe right to point out run scoring is something to look at this year. Impressive. Uh, the draft order, 2017 draft, uh, the twins uh, are first. They had 59 wins. Then the reds Padres and Rays and Braves all had 68 wins. And the Athletics and Diamondbacks had 69 wins. White Sox are 12th, 78 wins. And the Cubs are 30th with 103 wins. All right, uh, my two storylines that I was following. First one is chewing tobacco. And this is one that I was surprised that I included back then. But I think uh, at the time of recording episode 43, it was a thing that was uh, being talked about quite a bit. Um, so a lot of cities had passed uh, ordinances that banned people from chewing tobacco at public parks and stadiums. San Francisco, Chicago, Boston, New York, and L.A., uh, all those cities have banned chewing tobacco, uh, or they had at the time. Uh, but I feel like maybe the same thing with tanking. Did you hear anything about this during the regular season? None, yeah. Yeah, so all the stories uh, about this are, are written before the season except for a, uh, a recent wave from Milwaukee. So a couple weeks ago, Milwaukee 
became the next city that's uh, proposing a ban on chewing tobacco uh, at public parks and stadiums. And the main area they're focusing is Miller Park, where the Brewers play. So currently, like I said, San, San Francisco, Chicago, Boston, New York, and L.A. all have bans on chewing tobacco. D.C., Toronto, Minneapolis, St. Petersburg, and now Milwaukee have proposed bans on the table, with the Milwaukee one being the most recent. Uh, the Milwaukee one, uh, players would be subject to uh, a fine of anywhere between $100 and $250. The Center for Disease Control and Prevention uh, says that in Wisconsin, uh, high school male students, 17.4% uh, of them use smokeless tobacco which is higher than I was expecting. And a uh, study done before the season said 25 to 30% of major league players still use dip. So if you're a Brewers player and you're getting fined $100 per game, that's like, so you, essentially you have to pay like $8,000. Well, that that's where it gets tricky. I feel like none of these cities are really enforcing it on baseball players. Uh, and I think that's why it didn't get talked about during the regular season. So I don't think any of them were ever fined during the regular season, and I don't think this Milwaukee one is – I don't think they intend to enforce it. It's just more of a mm -hmm. this is a ban, come on, guys, let's let's stop doing this sort of thing. Because Cubs and the Cubs starters, Russell, Baez. Schwarber. Schwarber. Anyone else? Uh, Brian Rizzo don't. I don't think so. Fowler doesn't. And sometimes you don't know. So maybe it's best to not speculate. Yeah. So the, the new collective bargaining agreement is coming up here. It expires at the beginning of December. And so with a new collective bargaining agreement, this is one of the things that could be addressed there. Uh, if there's a sort of uniform policy across major league stadiums, it might be something that becomes more enforceable. Right now it's not, and therefore I don't think you're going to hear much about it until then. So... I would say swing and a miss on a storyline to follow for me. Yeah, again, uh, a uh, just something to write about in the offseason probably. Next one is baseball culture and popularity. At the time we recorded, Goose Gossage had said a bunch of things uh, in response to Jose Bautista's bat flip in the 2015 playoffs. Bryce Harper had came out. He's going to make baseball fun again. Did that whole ESPN, the magazine feature. And... Uh, Again, I mean, there was, I have some things here to uh, to discuss, but it really wasn't a storyline. Uh, Harper had a down season. Uh, you didn't really have any other young players that are butting up against uh, kind of the old way of, of doing things. I think overall the game is getting younger. A lot of young stars. You see that even with, um, you know, the awards. Trout and, and Bryant are both uh, 25. Mm -hmm. Seeger was, you know, in the running for MVP. You've got, you know, Altuve is young. You have a, a ton of young players in both leagues. Uh, and there are a pretty diverse group of players, mainly from Latin America and mm -hmm. uh, the United States. Uh, one thing I wanted to touch on, Adam Jones uh, really pushed back against maybe the baseball majority. Talking about Ka Colin Kaepernick and why you weren't seeing other you know, demonstrations in baseball. And he said, uh, you know, among other things, that baseball is a white man's sport. Got a lot of pushback from a lot of white people, <laughs> like Tony La Russa. Mm -hmm. uh, so that, that, that's one thing I saw throughout the, the season is, is kind of the African-American baseball player feeling marginalized a bit, uh, and I think rightfully so. I think there is a lack of diversity uh, in 
managerial positions and front offices. That's something that uh, Professor Burgos talked about mm-hmm. on one of our podcasts that um, specifically with Latin American managers and, and front offices, you're not really seeing those hires. Yeah. And MLB has, they've um, taken some steps. They um, ended their contract or I guess fired um, the, I guess hiring firm is what you would call them, mm-hmm. um, which had kind of uh, maybe perpetuated this white culture. Um, and then I just saw a headline this morning that Manford came out and said that they, it's an emphasis to, to add more diversity to front offices. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, right now the main wave is you got to attend an Ivy league school and have mm-hmm. you know some sort of degree there or, you know, have some sort of brilliant mind. And I feel like that really limits the hiring pool. Yeah. Hard to argue though. I mean, Theo is kind of, yeah, the, I mean, you understand it, but it's, I think you gotta look for ways to, to change that. The only thing I'll say with, um, kind of MLB's popularity, there did seem going back and listening to that episode 43 or 44, you had, you were kind of saying that this was MLB's chance to pounce on the NFL. And I, I do think that there, ha- there are some inroads there in terms of, um, NFL, TV ratings specifically decreasing and the, the, was it the World Series game that beat out NFL Sunday Night Football for the first time? In, Monday Night Football. Or Monday Night Football. That was kind of a historic moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the quote that I had made on that podcast was, it's time for baseball to make its move. You know, with NFL, you know, concerns over domestic violence and um, head injuries and that sort of thing. And, you know, parents maybe not wanting their kids to play as much. And uh, that that opens up a hole for uh, baseball to take advantage of, and I, I felt like 2016 was was the year for baseball to start making um, you know a rise back up in popularity. And I think it's a mixed bag. Uh, you know, we'll talk about this in a second, but attendance was down 07 uh, percent, so not huge, but it was down. Yeah, I was surprised by that. Yeah, that was something that I didn't predict, but. Um, yeah, across the baseball, it was down. Local TV ratings were up 1%, so not huge gains, but they were up from 2015. About 4.5 million people watched baseball on an average night, if you kind of combine all the local markets. Uh, the AtBat app um, was a big uh, plus. I believe it's the fourth year in a row where it's the top um, sports app. has um, currently 12.7 million downloads for 2016, and was on pace to break the record uh, when they last kind of calculated things. About 8.5 million people use the AtBat app daily. So good things there happening with the app and online streaming and stuff like that. TV ratings were up. Attendance was down. So it it is a mixed bag. And I, you know, I said it's time for baseball to make its move. Did it make its move? Kind of. The Cubs, you know, winning um, certainly could have ramifications, you know, if, if kids watch that especially in Illinois. I feel like a lot of young kids might want to play baseball because they watch the Cubs and a lot of fun guys are on that team. The disappointing thing for me is when you see small market teams um, like uh, that are consistently competitive, um, that the one year they're not competitive, they lose attendance. So you saw both with the Pirates and uh, the Royals. Um, they had, I think, um, the Pirates dropped by like 250,000 um, and the Royals were like 150,000. So that that's disappointing to me is like you don't see, you know, you kind of hope that they're like building traction. Yeah. 
there's a contingent there that will support them even if they're not um, making a run to the World Series. But I know the Royals had really good TV ratings. Yeah, they were the the highest rated uh, local TV market. Wow. Um, and same same thing with like uh, St. Petersburg. Interesting. You know, they, they don't go to games, but they watch them on TV. It's an odd, odd dynamic. What uh, What do you think baseball can do? You know, going forward to increase popularity or address some of these culture things. Um, I mean, not to be um, cliche or um, to be one more person saying this, but the pace of plays, it's got to be fixed. Um, I mean, Wilson Contreras visiting the mound seemed like 20 times in an inning is just kind of case in point that baseball is really exciting to watch, but only when there's actual action going on. And um, so whatever baseball can do to shorten games and then also to get the ball and play more often. So I guess limiting strikeouts would be the second thing. Are you a fan of the pitch clock? I don't know. I'm, you know, I'm more of a fan of limiting mound visits um, and limiting the amount of pitchers you can use in an inning. Um, but I, like my favorite um, part of a basketball game is the fourth quarter. That's like, I think, especially in the NBA, the only time that's like worth watching every single night. <laughs> And I think that should be the way with like the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning in a baseball game. But it, those can just drag on so long um, that it drains a lot of the excitement. So, I've, but you can't limit the number of pitchers in an inning. Why not? You can limit the number of batters. You know, a pitcher has to face. So you think putting a clock in between pitches is less um, so, intrusive than? Well, you just can't. You know, if pitchers keep pitching poorly, you can't say, "Oh, you can only use three. And you got you have guys faking injuries and maybe I think you I'm more for I'm for the pitch clock I think that would work pretty well and I am for uh, making it so a pitcher has to face a minimum of two batters when he comes in yeah I would agree with both those what players do you think are most important for the the game's future hmm I mean I think uh, Chris Bryant is up there. Um, Bryce Harper, I think, is up there, but I yeah I don't think um, I don't think baseball is as reliant on stars as other sports. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's the problem. I don't know. Um, yeah, I think it's with baseball. A lot of times, its strengths are also its weaknesses. You know, they're not dependent on one uh, or two like great athletes like Tom Brady or Peyton Manning or Cam Newton, but at the same time. Uh, that's a good thing and a bad thing. Yeah. You don't have those guys driving uh, TV numbers, but at the same time, uh, it's a stronger, I think, foundation or strongest business, mm-hmm. a stronger business model. I think Harper's really important. I think um, someone in New York uh, has to emerge. A, a Yankee player, a young Yankee player mm-hmm. would be great for great for the game. Yeah, I think Gary Sanchez is well on his way to be that. Um, I agree. Glabar Torres. Yeah, he's he's really, really good too. All right, uh, let's move on to some numerical predictions we made. Uh, episode 44 is when we made these predictions. Uh, scoring, like Paul talked about, in 2015, the average was 4.25 runs per game. Uh, Paul predicted that run scoring would go down just a bit to 4.2. I predicted it would go up to 4.4. And the final total was uh, 4.48. So run scoring did go up quite a bit. Uh, Run scoring bottomed out in 2014. 
at 4.07. In 2000, it was at its highest at 5.14. So uh, we'll see next year if that keeps going up or if um, it was just a blimp on the radar. Yeah, we got to get Alan Nathan on this offseason to give us the definitive answer whether MLB's juicing baseballs or not. Well, if you had to guess, you would. what would you say? They're doing something, I think. To the baseballs? Yes. What do you think? I think I would probably say that, but it just seems like such a st- stupid move for baseball to do that. Like, of course you're going to get caught. Mm, yeah. It was a, certainly a dramatic increase overnight uh, with the number of homers. Uh, next, we talked about pace of play. In 2015, the average game time was three hours, and that was down quite a bit. In 2014, it was three hours and seven minutes. 2013, three hours and four minutes. Uh, and this was obviously a big concern of Manfred when he took over for C-League. Paul, you predicted that ga- games would increase to three hours and one minutes. I said decrease, two hours and 57 minutes. And it went up to three hours and four minutes. So not a good year for uh, the length of games. Mm-hmm. And uh, our, the name for our podcast, A Foot in the Box. I feel like no one really talked about batters keeping their foot in the box anymore. Yeah, was that that was still in the rule book, but they just didn't enforce it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that was the main reason why game times went down in 2015. Is yeah, that was somewhat enforced early in the season. The hard part is like you look at that number and you think, oh, like four minutes, five minutes—that's not that big of a deal. But it, I think, it is a bigger deal than it seems if you just look at the numbers. Yep. Uh, attendance is the last thing we looked at. Uh, Paul predicted a increase of 0.15. I predicted a full percentage point increase. Wrong. Yep, it was down 0.7%. 235 less fans per game across baseball. Uh, attendance was over 73 million uh, fans. 73,159,044 was the total attendance. Comes out to an average of 30,131 per game. Uh, 13 teams saw attendance increases. 17 teams saw a decrease. Uh, we guessed the biggest increase and biggest decrease. Uh, Paul, you guessed the biggest increase to be the D-backs. Uh, they were down slightly, so not a great prediction there. I predicted the Cubs would increase, and they did, 11%. They were the second biggest increase. But the biggest increase was the... Uh, the Blue Jays. I looked it up. That's correct. 21% increase. That comes out to 7,000 fans per game. Uh, the Mets, Rangers, and Indians were also... In the top five increases. Uh, the biggest decreases, Paul, you guessed the Tigers, I guess the Padres. Both teams were down. Uh, Tigers are down 7%, Padres are down 4%. The correct answer was the Reds. They saw a 22% decrease, about 6,000 fans per game. Uh, the Twins, Pirates, A's, and Brewers also saw the biggest drops yeah, per game. Of all those teams I mentioned uh, that you know were quote-unquote tanking, the Reds, I have the least hope in moving forward. Um, and it would appear as though the fans agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they lost over a half million fans. And uh, them and the Angels, I think, are the two most depressing franchises in baseball right now. I might throw the Rays in there as well. Maybe. All right. Um, so that was our recap of our 2016 predictions. Uh, next, we will talk about the past season in our favorite moments of the year. The 2016 season had 
many great individual moments. And so Paul and I are just going to break down our top five moments throughout the season. Um, wonder how much crossover we have here. Yeah. Yeah, I'm intrigued by that as well. I've uh, got two honorable mentions. So you have seven. Seven total, yeah. I stuck to five. Uh, do you have them ranked? I do. So do I. So let's let's start with number five. Well, can we start with my honorable mentions? Go ahead. Two honorable mentions. Uh, one, um, Illinois going back-to-back seasons with a first-round draft pick. First time in the Big Ten in over 20 years that's happened. Cody wow. Sedlock went first round this year. Tyler J last year. Pretty big deal. Yeah. And then the other one is uh, Ken Griffey Jr. getting inducted in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. I thought that was a pretty pretty neat speech and uh, just kind of reminded me, reminded a lot of us why we love him so much. Those were good. Uh, what's number five on your, your list? Uh, Ichiro getting his 3,000th, mm-hmm. it's hard to say, hit in the U.S. Um, it happened in early August. Ichiro to right and deep. Back goes Para to the wall, and it's off the wall. 3,000 is in right field, and Ichiro is racing for third. And he's done it. He's climbed the mountain, a triple, and he has arrived at 3,000. Yeah, and that I, that was one of t- a couple of tweets we had that went viral on Twitter this year. Yeah, foreshadowing to my number four. <laughs> uh, Ichiro did not make my top five. Mm. Uh, number five was uh, Clayton Kershaw's first three months. Uh, so That's an interesting I, definition of moment. Hey, when I sent this to you, I said, pretty broad, do what you want with I suppose these moments. So number five, Clayton Kershaw, first three months of the season. 121 innings pitched, had a whip of .72, 145 strikeouts, and only nine walks in in the uh, 121 innings uh, with a 1.79 ERA. So run scoring increased quite a bit. Home runs are way up, and Clayton Kershaw was dominant. Really is a um, a bummer that he got hurt mm-hmm. when he did at the end of June because he was on pace for a, a Pedro... 2000-esque season yeah um, but he did he did come back in the postseason and you know pitch well in the division series won game five and pitch well in, in the championship series uh, in game two so big year for Clayton Kershaw just had a baby did you see mm-hmm. that Charlie Kershaw uh, so congrats to Clayton big year for him both professionally and personally yeah I thought it was a little weird the MLB I followed them on Instagram they Instagrammed <laughs> or re-Instagrammed a picture of the baby, but whatever. Uh, number four for me, Bartolo's. I didn't have Kershaw's first three months, by the mm-hmm. way. Uh, number four is Bartolo's first career home run uh, in San Diego. Like you mentioned, it was another one of our tweets or your tweets that went viral. Um, just a really cool moment. I think we even played the audio from that. Looking for his first hit of the year. He drives one. Deep left field. Back goes Upton. Back near the wall. It's out of here. (laughs) Bartolo has done it. The impossible has happened. The team vacates the dugout as Bartolo takes the long trot. His first career home run. 
and there will be nobody in the dugout to greet him. <laughs> this is one of the great moments in the history of baseball. Bartolo Colon has gone deep. I want to say that was one of the longest home run trots I've ever seen, but I think that's how fast he runs. <laughs> and now they'll flood up the tunnel and give him his just due. His 226th career at bat. <laughs> you knew if he ever made contact in just the right way, he was strong enough to do it. And now Bartolo has brought down the house. Neat moment, and Bartolo said after the fact that he had been hunting a homer almost his entire career. That was mm-hmm. something that he... He's 42 years old. Mm-hmm. And he just got a one-year, $12 million deal. So I assume primarily because of that home run. <laughs> but I he, believe he also drew his first walk of his career this year. I don't recall that. I think that's accurate. All right, uh, that was not on my list. Wow. No crossover so far. Uh, my number four moment was Vin Scully's last week. Uh, and also Dick Enberg's last last week. Uh, so his last week um, had had his last series at home with uh, the the Dodgers winning their division. Mm-hmm. That last Sunday home game he called, thanked all the fans. The Dodgers did a great job that whole weekend, and then the following weekend he called his last series in San Francisco. Yep, and uh, just a really neat moment to see him, you know, be so appreciated by fans across the board and uh, to see him be so thankful for, you know, all the fans love for him and the players love for him. And this past week he was called by the white house to, was it a presidential medal of honor? Yes. The medal highest of uh, honor you can give a civilian. So that was a, a cool phone call. Um, I feel like Scully's just so humble, mm-hmm. such a nice guy, lovable guy. And so uh, he will be missed in baseball, but it was cool to see him. So loved and appreciated on his way out. Yep, that was my number three. I concur with everything you just said. Mm-hmm. And shout out to Dick Emberg. Also had a great career. Yep. Uh, love kind of his passion for the Padres and what he meant to that franchise. Yeah, I think uh, it's not hyperbole to say that Vince Coy will be remembered as the greatest baseball broadcaster of all time. Yeah, I would agree with that. What was your number three? Number three was the Cubs uh, going to the World Series. Yasiel Puig pinch hitting, and he will hit a ground ball towards short. Russell goes to Baez one, over to first. The Cubs are going to the World Series. The Cubs win the pennant. And this is heightened by the fact that I was there. Uh, you know, game six of the uh, NLCS when they beat the Dodgers. Kyle Hendricks pitched a great game. Uh, just a really fun game to be at. And, uh, you know, to be there 13 years after 2003 when we were also there. Game six of the NLCS, when, mm-hmm. you know, the Bartman game. Uh, just a really neat experience to go with Kevin and John and, and Mom. So that was my number three moment. Yep, that's good. I thought that would have been your number two. Um, number two for me was D. Gordon's leadoff homer, uh, the game after Jose Fernandez passed away. Yep. Um, the most powerful moment, I think, from the, the entire season. And I mean, you can argue whether he was grooved to pitch or not, but regardless, D. Gordon is not a home run hitter. I think he had hit less than 10 in his entire career up until then. Um, 
it's just a really powerful moment. I think D. Gordon even went on record after the game saying it was the coolest moment of his life. Yeah, that was my number one moment. Um, what's lost, you know, hit the home run, but the first pitch of that at bat, he took it, took a ball from the the right side um, to honor Fernandez. Did like Fernandez's stance, um, and then the second pitch, he hit a home run to to right field and um, broke down crying around the bases. Mm-hmm. Um, that whole that whole game was surreal. I remember watching it where we're recording right now at my home, uh, just watching Barry Bonds was weeping before the game they played um take me out to the ball game on a trumpet uh yeah i mean if you haven't seen that you should go watch it it was just a uh, yeah super powerful moment and i think the marlins did a great job of uh honoring fernandez and um yeah it was a really difficult time to be a baseball fan Yeah, that Fernandez's death and the Cubs winning the World Series, I think, are going to be the two lasting mm-hmm. memories or images from this year. Yeah, and my number two, I assume it's your number one, is the Game 7 of the World Series. November 2nd, 2016. Not before. Here's the 0-1. This is going to be a tough play. Play! The Cubs! One of the best games of all time. I've seen people call it the best game of all time. I don't think I'm willing to, to go that far. Well, we kind of agreed Cardinals-Rangers game six in 2011 was a better game. Uh, we didn't agree. You said that. You suggested it, though. At uh, first I said, oh, yeah, best game ever. And then you're like, what about Cubs-Rangers? Yeah, I, I didn't say it was, though. So maybe over the offseason I can investigate which ones were better. So now I'm curious what your number, or you said D. Gordon was number one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, some general things that I'll remember from 2016. Of course, the Cubs World Series and Jose Fernandez, like we talked about, those are the main things. Uh, a couple peripheral things that uh, I'll remember. The Yankees deciding to rebuild. I think that was a phenomenal decision for them. Uh, great for baseball because the Yankees being good in, in the New York market and their whole history, I think, is, is huge. Um, Glebar Torres, like I mentioned, Arizona League uh, MVP had a slash line of 403, 513, and 645. Pretty good. Just 19 years old. They got him for Chapman at the trade deadline from the Cubs. And then on the opposite side of that, Tim Tebow deciding to play baseball. That was quite the storyline. His Arizona League uh, performance, uh, 194, 296, and a slugging percentage of 242. Mm. Uh, Do you think Tebow plays? 
baseball next year? Next year, yeah. I don't think he'll make that big leagues, but no, of course not. You think there's no one questioning whether he'll go to spring training next year? I think some people question whether he will. Like being so bad in Arizona. Yeah. yeah. No, I think he'll. That doesn't even conflict with his um, football job. So I think at least go to spring training. Uh, yeah, I, like I said, the big ones for me, Cubs winning the World Series, Fernandez's death, but then uh, a little more locally, uh, it's, in my opinion, going to be the, like, the turning point for the White Sox as a franchise. So you had probably the weirdest story of the year with Chris Sale cutting, yeah. cutting up. Yeah, I forgot about that. His entire team's jerseys before he, <laughs> because he didn't want to wear them. They were a throwback jersey and he didn't like them. Um, I think he'll be traded this off season, and uh, so I think we'll look back on this as kind of the last um, year from the Chris Sale and Robin Ventura era, and it'll be a, a rebuilding process over the next year or two. And that's what you're hoping for, right? Oh yeah, yep, yeah. I will be disappointed if uh, if there's not a pretty dramatic shift in their philosophy. Dodgers seem like a pretty good mm-hmm. trade partner. Yep, I, I agree. I, I'm I want like at least uh two really, really good prospects and then like one or two major league ready uh players, future stars. It's <laughs> a lot to ask. Well cr- yeah, Chris Sale is the bet the best value, especially with this free agent market. Jason Hamill's like one of the best pitchers. Yeah. But sale for three years at a really, really discounted price, I think is you can get a lot for it. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. You got anything else from the 2016 season? I do not. All right. Our last uh, 2016 segment uh, is reflecting back on our podcast. So you'll have to indulge us for a few minutes. The 2016 season was our second season to cover as a podcast. Best one yet. Um, If you just started listening, you can definitely tune this out but if you listen for a while i felt like it would be fun just to kind of reflect back on the entire season uh, when you record you know 30 plus podcasts over the course of a year there's just lots of uh, you know fun moments and things to to talk about so just from a stat perspective it was our most popular year to date podcast listens which we don't really ever talk about or downloads uh in 2015 we had uh 2,359, uh, according to website analytics, Squarespace analytics. In 2016, we saw a 35% increase to 3,183. Wow. Exponential growth. I'm not sure that's the definition of exponential. <laughs> uh, website visitors, unique website visitors, uh, we saw a 326% increase <laughs> from uh, an average monthly total of 54 in 2015 to 176 wow. in 2016. So thanks to all you unique visitors out there for visiting our website. Uh, lastly, uh, Paul, you had 19 blog posts, and I had 18. So congrats for beating me there. You hung on by a thread. I don't think you've blogged since mid-September. Yeah, I had one in the works, but um, Kate ex- accidentally X'd out of the uh, the page, so... But no, I, I mean, I think this was so successful, more successful in terms of numbers, but I also think it was more fun than last year. That uh, probably has something to do with the fact that I actually prepared for podcasts this year. 
instead of going in cold like last year. But um, yeah, I, I had a lot more fun this year. And I think podcasting, I guess until you do it on a weekly basis, like you don't realize that it is kind of hard. Mm-hmm. And I think the hardest thing for us has been like figuring out how to contribute something like meaningful or worthwhile. Um, like there's so much content out there that to kind of cover the Cubs or cover baseball like a beat writer like just wouldn't be wouldn't make any sense. And so it's trying to figure out what kind of personal um, insights or segments um, would actually contribute real value. So I feel like we're getting better at that, but still kind of trying to find our niche. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, specifically with online stuff, I felt like we did a lot better uh, job this year, both in frequency and you know quality. Uh, do you have a favorite blog post? Um, my f- yeah, favorite's probably not the right word, but most memorable will be the one I wrote after Jose Fernandez died. Yeah, that was like the most cathartic one for me. Um, I really enjoyed. I actually, don't look at the the metrics for blog posts. I don't. Can I do that? Uh, we have Google Analytics, so yeah, we could. The one I kind of enjoyed researching the most were the three most important um, Supreme Court cases <laughs> uh, that had baseball involved. But yeah, did you have a favorite? Yeah, I had um, uh, top three. So I had uh, my Bryce Harper Instagram transcript, very good, uh, and then my Cubs versus Red Sox young core debate. Um, which was also discussed on uh, Effectively Wild. Yes, it was. Not the blog post, but the question. I linked to the blog post in they did, my, they did not my email it. question, so I assume they, they read it. They were two of the unique website visitors. And then lastly, the Aerobus Chapman article. I've looked at that a couple times since uh, I wrote it, and I, I'm proud of more proud of what I wrote there than what I said on the podcast in response to Chapman. So I felt like it covered it in a pretty fair way. The home run derby also qualifies as a blog post, right? Yeah, so the live stream, uh, I think we're, out, we're like 210 mm-hmm. views on YouTube. Um, yeah, that was, when we're getting into like most memorable episodes, that was up there. I guess technically it wasn't an episode. Um, do you have any episodes that stand out? <sighs> so the uh, Brothers podcast is always fun. A little stressful, I think, this year in D.C. Still trying to figure out what the, the best way to... To record a podcast on a road trip is uh, that's friend- episode fifty four. If you'd like to go back and listen, okay. Uh, the Friendcation uh, podcast was fun when we talked to Matt and Josh from Minnesota. Kevin from Chicago. Yes. Um, I felt like our best podcast was seventy five. What one's that? Recapping the Cubs. Yeah, yeah. That's the one we probably heard the most feedback on mm-hmm. positively. I guess we don't really hear negative feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, some games that we played I thought were, were fun. Uh, we did the over-under predictions. Had 46 people play that. Congrats to Bertle for winning. He has still not responded to emails, so his book is... R.I.P. His baseball book is on hold. And then uh, 59 people played the uh, playoff fantasy game, Pick Your Team, um, where people had to pick a player from each of the playoff teams. And... Um, uh, Jacob B won that, and uh, he has his fifty dollars. So you have heard back from him. Yeah, we paid him. So congrats to Jacob on that. Um, I thought Summer Flicks was pretty solid this year too. Yeah, what were the the movies? Were 
Angels in the Outfield, Sandlot, and A League of Their Own. Yeah, it was a good run. I saw today that someone's copying our idea. They were live streaming the, or live tweeting uh, A League of Their Own and encouraging other people to do so. Like a writer or somebody? Yeah. Hmm. A couple in-house games. Paul, we played the Memorial Day trade deadline game. I thought that was a fun. I owned you. Fun game. Yeah, you won. Have I paid you the $10? Uh, No. <laughs> I'll do that afterwards. Uh, and then I won the pick your team contest throughout the year where we had to pick a team every week. Uh, Paul lost and was later disqualified for not following the rules when he picked a team twice. Was that confirmed? Yes. Yeah. So despite your cheating, you came up short. And therefore, on our next podcast and throughout the offseason, you'll be wrapping the intro. Throughout the offseason? You're going to replay it? Oh, yeah. Like each week? Yep. Nice. Um. Favorite guests, uh, I have a top four. Likewise. So we had 20 total um, baseball guests, not including friends and family. So we had 10 individual guests uh, throughout the season, and then we had 10 for the, the big playoff preview. Uh, who were your top few? Um, so in order of, um, well, four to one, I'll go. Okay. Uh, we'll each. He's number four. Number four, Rob Maines. Number mm-hmm. three, uh, Professor Adrian Burgos. Number two, and then Daniel Winkler, number one. Yep, Winkler was my, my number one. Uh, Will Leach was two. Rob Maines was three. Very cool guy. People should go follow him on Twitter. Super cool baseball writer. And then my number four was Jason Kaskre mm. of Japan. Yeah. I feel like we were out ahead of the uh, Shohei Otani Phenomenon. Well, we caught on because of Effectively Wild. Yes, but more people have caught on since then. Yeah, well, didn't he hit a ball into like the ceiling? <laughs> yeah, I think his team won the Japan, um, whatever they call their World Series. Mm-hmm. Daniel Winkler is awesome. I really enjoyed that. Uh, super vulnerable to do that after his injury and mm-hmm. tied in really well with what we were talking about that week with the Jeff Passon's new book, The Arm. Mm-hmm. Um, so super thankful for all these guests. In the, I feel like the baseball community is awesome. Like rarely do we ever get shot down for an interview and there are a huge reason why the podcast increased. And in. yeah, I get, um, pretty concerned. So following the presidential election, the big thing has been, let's toss social media into the depths of the ocean. It's the w- worst thing for our country. And while I kind of agree with that sentiment from a political viewpoint, we would not be able to land any of these gifts if it were not for Twitter. Mm-hmm. So Maybe let's start the save Twitter movement or just clean Twitter movement as opposed to just getting rid of it altogether. I agree. Lastly, uh, we did some new segments this year. So we had uh, my Yahoo Answer segment, Paul's uh, Baseball Names segment, and then together we did Baseball on TV, which was a kind of a mid-year invention after the MacGyver mm-hmm. uh, episode <laughs> recap flop. Um, so... What was your favorite Yahoo Answer segment of the year? Um, my favorite one came, I believe, episode 52. Do you remember? What the I, don't, I don't have that memorized, no. Uh, it was, is Babe Ruth the Michael Jordan of baseball, or is Michael Jordan the Babe Ruth of basketball? basketball? That was a great question. I thought about that earlier this week, actually. Really? Yeah. What do you think the right answer is? Uh, we both agree that it was Michael Jordan is the Babe Ruth of basketball. Yeah. Um. I'm I'm very proud of all three of those segments. 
my favorite names. I have a top three. Number three, Cuckoo Christensen. Very good. Number two, Guido Martini. And number one, I believe it was maybe your first or second, uh, Abraham Lincoln Sweetbread Bailey. Mm-hmm. How did uh, Wonderful, Terrific Mounds the Third not make it? I didn't like it. Hmm. It's too gimmicky. Uh, lastly, baseball on TV. We did seven of these, uh, kind of from the mid midpoint of the year on, replaced the uh, now defunct MacGyver segment. Uh, we did CSI New York, Murder She Wrote, Psych, Cheers, The X Files, House, and The Andy Griffith Show. Uh, which of those episodes was your favorite? And if you're new to the podcast, Baseball on TV, we look at a baseball themed episode of all these TV shows. It's hashtag right. Hashtag baseball on TV. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the psych episode. Um, I I like mostly because Danny Glover was a manager in it. <laughs> I uh, have fond, don't say don't say murder she wrote. I have fond no. feelings towards that one and the Andy Griffith show. I love watching random episodes of old TV shows. Mm. Murder she wrote was terrible. Which, by the way, I started watching Lost. Have you seen Lost? Mm-mm. Pretty great. A few episodes Is in. Is that on Netflix? I'm hooked. Yeah, that's why I started watching. Yeah. So baseball on TV, we'll continue that in the off season. So we haven't done one since the regular season, but that, that's coming back. Uh, thanks to everyone for listening, for reading this year. This podcast would not be as fun without you participating. And look forward to continuing to provide you weekly baseball coverage. I think it should be our goal this off season to get one sponsor for next year. <laughs> we might have to pay them. All right. Uh, so last segment on the podcast we're going to look towards the off season and talk about how we're going to cover it as a podcast so the 2016 2017 off season is underway which is it 2016 or 2017 the 2017 off season i don't know it's the 2016 winter meetings yeah i consider the 2017 off season uh so our our Schedule for the off-season in terms of podcast is to do a every other week podcast, roughly. Sometimes it might be uh, three weeks in between. Sometimes it might be one week in between. Um, our next podcast will be in two weeks from when this is releasing on December 5th. It's also the date of when I start a new job. So we'll, it's a big day for me. We'll see how that goes. We're all very proud of Peter. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, the current collective bargaining agreement expires on december 1st so hopefully we have an agreement to discuss by december 5th um, the winter meetings are also december 4th through the 8th we'll talk about those the brothers road trip podcast is in late december where we discuss what the 2017 already got mine locked in what's that can't tell you <laughs> yeah so if you didn't listen to last year's we each give our pitch paul Kevin, John, and I give our pitch for where we should go on our next Brothers Baseball Road Trip. Last year it was Washington, D.C. Don't have a ton planned for the offseason. We'll do baseball on TV again. We'll discuss you know, what's going on in baseball. We'll have uh, some guest interviews, play some different games, might read a few baseball books again. Uh, we'll just see where the baseball world takes us. Excited for a great offseason? Yes. Uh, you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Make sure to do that, and you'll get all our off-season episodes. Send us emails at afootinthebox.gmail.com. We have more time to uh, to discuss those, so make sure to email us, afootinthebox.gmail.com. 
And uh, follow us on Twitter at a foot in the box. Uh, one new tradition for this off season, at least, that I'd like to institute. And I didn't uh, get this vetted <laughs> by you. Um, I'd like to recommend another baseball podcast at the end of each episode. Okay. So uh, at the end of this one, uh, writing on baseball. On baseball writing. On baseball writing. Sorry. Um, very very good podcast. Uh, rolling out a ton of episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, but is it sustainable? Uh, I mean, no, uh, definitely not, but I I don't know that it, I don't know what the game plan is behind it, but go check it out. I watched, um, the one with RJ Anderson, listen, listen to the one with RJ Anderson of CBS sports. And I thought it was great. They just did one with Ben Lindbergh as well. Yeah. I have that, um, queued up to listen to. Yep. So Eric Roseberry is the host of that. Uh, so check that out on baseball writing is the name of it. Uh, you can check us out online as well footinthebox.com. I've got some uh, off-season writing uh, interests that I want to pursue. One big one that I'll tease here, I want to look at each franchise's best moment from when we were born. So from 1990 through today, if you're a fan of uh, each team, what's your what's your favorite moment? So like the hmm. Cubs, you know, obviously just winning the World Series in 2016 would be number one, but like the Mariners... What's their best moment? Probably Griffey's yep. run to win the ALDS. Or, but what's the what's the Rays? What's the Reds? I think it's a fun, fun time. Have you thought much about how you're going to like quantify that or t- determine that? Uh, by me thinking about it and writing about it. Hmm. That's pretty a, that's pretty, a really good pretty idea. subjective, yeah. Yeah, so that's one, one thing that I'll do. But other stuff will be on our website as well, foodinthebox.com. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Thanks um, for listening all year, really. Uh, Appreciate all you listeners out there and uh, look forward to um, following baseball with you forever. (laughs) And a reminder this offseason to still keep a foot in the box. (laughs) We'll talk to you later. Our outro this week is the top song of 2016. Little time capsule here, Closer by the Chainsmokers. So enjoy that song. And enjoy the offseason. Peace. Look as good as the day I met you. I forget just why I left you. I was insane. Stay and play that pink 182 song. I'll be beat to death in Tucson. Okay. Corner of the mattress that you stole from your roommate back in.